Welcome into another episode of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you back for another week of IndyCar news and rumors following the sport. And joining us this week on location, it is Justin Kinney. Hello, Justin. Hello, Caleb. How are you, sir? Doing well. And uh, where in the world is Justin Kinney this week? Yes, uh, you know, another game of, of, of where am I. This week I'm coming from Greeley, Colorado. My younger brother lives in Greeley, came out to visit him this week. So Greeley, about a half hour from Fort Collins, uh, a couple hours from Denver, um, in the northern part of Colorado, very close to Estes Park, about an hour from Estes Park. That's where we stay, spent today, along with uh, in Rocky Mountain National Park, did some hiking, so... It's been a long day, but a fun week, but uh, here to talk about the latest in IndyCar, which is a lot of rumor, a lot of silly season here uh, in late July. And I feel like it's gotten pretty silly, especially last week. This week, I think we have a lot more rumors than news uh, to really dive in to discuss. But with that said, I I guess let's just go kind of team by team on where things are at and uh, courtesy of Marshall Pruitt of Racer.com, uh, a lot of great information. Some of it maybe not so much concrete, but something to ponder, something to think about. Plus, IndyCar Deep Throat uh, with a lot of rumors as well for us to pour over. So we'll start, and I think we'll start with the team I think that has the most question marks, and that would be Andretti Autosport. Uh, this, uh, courtesy of Marshall Pruitt's article, the IndyCar Summer Break Silly Season Update. So, it's his second one. I believe there will probably be a third. I would expect it probably not long after the Nashville race. But starting with Andretti Autosport, I think the, the biggest thing we've learned within the past week, Roman Grosjean basically is all but a lock for the number 28 Honda for Andretti Autosport. In fact, Marshall says what has emerged that's new is the sheer number of insiders saying he's a lock for that car. Um, and then... What comes with that? So if they come to terms on a deal, Marshall writes, and it's said to involve a steep asking price, Grosjean would join Honda Acura HPD as a factory-affiliated driver, the same way Scott Dixon, Colton Herta, and Alexander Rossi have direct ties to the manufacturer. Uh, I think that's the first big takeaway. And uh, In fact, he suggested in another article uh, with Grosjean doing the test at the racetrack formerly known as Gateway earlier this week, that's all but a done deal. So that's the first key takeaway. And I guess to me, the the question is, do we really see that seat as better than what he has right now? Well, I, I, I think on the, the surface, you'd say yes, but as you keep looking at it a little bit more, you really begin to question it. And, you know, as, as, as interesting of a hire as it is for Andretti Autosport, and how impressive that Romain Grosjean has been, he still has yet to race in an oval race. And that's going to change, you know, of course, the gateway. But, you know, this is, you know, as of right now, you could say maybe the sexiest free agent out there. Yet this is a guy that, you know, in terms of championship pedigree, is he going to be a guy that's going to take to ovals as quick as he did road and street here uh, in IndyCar? And, And that's an open question, I feel. So, as as impressive as Grosjean has been, and I think it's a good hire for Andretti, there are questions remaining is, you know, this is a guy that has yet to compete the entire season, yet he is going to get what sounds like a lucrative contract from Andretti Autosport 
to take over the 28 of Ryan Hunter Ray. Yeah, and again, he's done really well in that entry. He's had results. Obviously, the the pull and the second place finish at the Indy GP, that's the highlight, but he had a great race at Road America as well. Struggled at Detroit, which is not a surprise. Uh, the way that weekend was set up, I think it was just tough for anyone coming in as a rookie, whether it's Grosjean or Jimmy Johnson or even Scott McLaughlin. With Grosjean's performance, I mean, he's obviously warranted himself a, an upper-tier ride this season. I don't think that's a question mark. But like you said, I think the oval factor, and we'll know more about that a month from now after he competes at Gateway, you know, how he adapts, and he had the test earlier this week, as I mentioned, outside of a, a, a slow-speed spin in one of the corners. Everything went well. He kept it clean. The times were competitive. He wasn't, you know, super far off the pace or anything. And I, I think he has an opportunity to be a, I wouldn't say a championship contender next season, but I think he could contend for a top 10 in points. Is that is that asking too much? No, I don't think so. I mean, he's a guy that's sitting in 16th right now in points, despite missing three races, including the double points race at Indy. So I think he's flirting with the top 10 you know, even with some starts and some decent results in, in, you know, the two Texas races and the 500. So, look, I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on Romain Grosjean in year two, overseas in particular. I think he's opened the door and opened the eyes of, of quite a bit, you know, former F1 drivers or, you know, F2 drivers that have run out of money and in all different situations. Um, now I feel like, He's a guy we're going to want to root for because if he can come in in year one and perform like he has performed, and then year two go in and be competitive on the ovals, then I think that's going to really convince a couple more former F1 drivers to come over. I I really feel like a good performance next year at Indy and and maybe even this this year at Gateway can really – really sway a couple additional drivers from overseas to potentially give IndyCar a shot. Well, and we have some some F1-related drivers that we'll get to with that scenario uh, within a silly season discussion tonight. And with Grosjean, uh, the other week, IndyCar Deep Thread, our, our inside source with a connection with um, other insiders in the sport, uh, mm-hmm. telling us that Jimmy Johnson and Grosjean will be full-time next season. So, again, we, we expect this to be a full-time entry for Grosjean. I don't think that's a surprise. And, you know, with the Indy 500, you get so much track time that he'll be prepared by the time that race comes around, and that'll also help prepare him for any ovals that come after that, uh, whether Texas gets moved back, throw in Gateway, if they add a, a Richmond, a Homestead, an Iowa. Um, I'm trying to think of any other options that are on the table. I mean, that seems like it's about it as far as ovals to add at this point, but he'll, he'll be more acclimated after Indy and also just being in a rhythm, I think is helpful competing in every race. You have an advantage. You're in more of a rhythm with the car. As long as things are going okay to good, if you're struggling, it almost makes it worse. And Caleb, I'm, I would be surprised if both Jimmy Johnson and Romain Grosjean do not test at Indianapolis this fall. That's a good I point. I feel like we're going to see both of them on the track at Indy at some point uh, in October after the season's over. So I don't think that uh, that Grosjean in particular 
is uh, is going to you know maybe have to drink from a fire hose as much as 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 you know you mentioned if he's able to test, at least have some sort of starting point for Indianapolis for both of those guys. Definitely see it happening and and Grosjean, you know, after testing at Gateway earlier this week, it was all glowing uh, in, in how it went. So I think he's a guy on the fast track to not only competing full time, but also a guy that's going to uh, endear himself to to this series and its dry and its fans because of how much uh, he loves the sport. And and it sounds like he's already on his way to mm-hmm. to really falling in love with ovals. And Jimmy Johnson, as you mentioned. He is expected to do his first oval test late August at Homestead. So I, I think we had heard that thrown about before, and now we have uh, quotes uh, from him on that topic. So that's Grosjean. So we expect him to be in the 28 car. Consider it a done deal, basically. All but done deal for Grosjean in the 28. Well, where does that leave Ryan hunter Ray, who's currently in the 28? Uh, he's searching for ways to stay in IndyCar. That's according to Marshall Pruitt. Uh, could be a combination of racing in IMSA, uh, full-time in one, part-time in the other. Uh, that could be an option as well for RHR. I don't think we expect him to return. In, in fact, IndyCar Deep Throat went on to say that Ryan hunter uh, uh will be out of his seat for next year. So, I mean, that's not a huge surprise. He was brought back on a one-year deal. It kind of seemed like a last hurrah. I guess to me, sports cars and say an Indy 500 ride seems like a better option. I'd I'd just be surprised if he has many options for a full-time ride. I mean, one possibility would be at Shank paired with Elio if, you know, that would be an option. In fact, Marshall says that uh, Kyle Kirkwood would be a solution. The team is unable to uh, place Kirkwood with Andretti. And then also with Hunter A, AutoNation, who's a team sponsor and a Hunter A sponsor, um, he could be uh, paired with Elio there. So that's that's another option for him. I feel like this is going to come down to where Ryan Hunter Ray's mindset is after this season. Uh, he turns 41 in December, so he'll be 41 years old when the 2022 season starts. Uh, he's a guy that has not, you know – been in contention for a championship since what three four years ago 2018 maybe 2018 yeah i think he finished fourth if i'm not mistaken in the final standings but that was winning a double points race at sonoma to wrap it up that's true so you know i mean you could say he's probably not a championship contender anyway anymore uh is he even an indie contender anymore i don't know but where does ryan underway want to you know Put his time. Is he a guy that's going to look at it and say, you know, I got a family at home, I got a wife, I got three kids, and my three kids are all getting into racing? Is it just time to hang it up and maybe do the 500 and maybe do some IMSA and 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 call it a full time career in IndyCar? Or is he going to be a guy at the end of the season that feels like he still has something to give in this in this series? He's a guy that can still go out and compete for wins every race uh, somewhere else or another Indy 500 title, uh, or uh, even a championship title. So I feel like it's going to come down to Ryan hunter I feel like there's going to be options out there if he wants a full-time ride. But does he want one? Uh, I think that's an open question that you know I, I think uh, will go a long way towards deciding just exactly what Ryan hunter is doing in IndyCar next year. I mean, to me, the best option 
is Meyer Shank if he is indeed out and ready as far as a full-time seat. Otherwise, I mean, you're best off, like you said, doing sports cars, peppering in the Indy 500, maybe a few other select IndyCar races. I mean, that's that's a good option. The guy's accomplished everything. I mean, it's not like he has something missing on his resume. It's not like he's, you know, trying to go for four or now five Indy 500 wins like Elio. But, I mean, you think of the Elio comparison. I mean, he was out of IndyCar outside of the, the Indy 500 for several years. You know, 2018, 2019, 2020. I think he may have done like an Indy GP here or there, but... As far as the full season, I mean, he was out of it, and next year he's back. Now, I don't have high expectations for him in IndyCar next year as far as the full-time ride goes, but obviously he should be competitive at Indy again. Yeah, I would agree. He'd be a good veteran presence for a a team looking for some guidance with young guys in the month of May. I mean, think um, what uh, Juan Pablo Montoya was to McLaren this year in May. Could that be a similar situation elsewhere? I I don't know if Shank would go the way of two full-time drivers that are 40-plus. Exactly. Uh, you know, I, I just don't see that as being sensible for Michael Shank. So I, I'd be surprised if that happens. But I think, you know, maybe there could be some open seats where it could work. Or could he be an extra car for the month of May for someone? It, like I said, it's just kind of uh, just what Ryan hunter Ray wants to do here at the end of the season because he definitely has different options and different directions of where he would like to go. All right, now the 29 seat. Uh, this one we also expect to be open. Uh, Marshall Pruitt says, Andretti, any lights driver Devlin DeFrancesco. Is it Francesco or Francesco? I think it's Francesco. Okay, Francesco. It's fun to say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, teammate of Kyle Kirkwood and any lights. Uh, Kyle Kirkwood also coveted by Andretti. There are others, and this is the one where this article really took a turn that I did not expect. Uh, Marshall says, but there are others, including Team Penske, who are said to have contacted the Floridian, and that's Kyle Kirkwood. Um, This is a major break from what Penske does. Penske lets the talent develop early, and then they, they poach them once they believe the driver is ready and put them on their team. This would be a... Massive change in philosophy for uh, for Team Penske. But at the same time, I mean, you know, uh, we've talked about it. It is Kyle Kirkwood, the best, one of the best prospects in the last, let's say, 10 years to come out of the road to Indy. Um, he's a guy that has won. Uh, he won, what, USF 2000. He won Formula 4. He's won Indy Pro 2000. And he's right now first in Indy Lights. And and he's not just won those series. He's dominated them. Oh, yeah. He won every race, but I think two in F2000. Um, you know, Indy Pro 2000, he he rolled. So And he's won you know, six or seven races this year. Six races, I, I think. So does that resume resonate with Team Penske enough to say that kid is special and we're going to grab him while we can early we're going to commit to him whereas we usually don't i mean is he is he that good is, is basically the question caleb um i mean he's really good i don't think that's a question would i put him on level as colton herta and pato award entering indycar i mean maybe i'll have a clearer picture by the end of the season but i'm not quite ready to say that yet right i agree but 
you know, the guy wins, if the guy wins Indy Lights this year, if that's, you know, three, four straight years from the championship, you know, excluding 2020 last year when there was no uh, Indy Lights. So, um, you know, maybe the resume speaks for itself and has opened some eyes over at Team Penske. So Kirkwood, I, I think, will be an option somewhere. I think DeFrancesco um, going in, Marshall says Grosjean, DeFrancesco, names I've heard attached to the 28 and 29 most often. Uh, keep Kirkwood and Oliver Askew in mind for those vacancies as well. Um, Colton Herta and Alexander Rossi are signed for at least one more year with the team. But again, as we have mentioned, and no one else has, has really said much about, but we expect Rossi to be bought out. IndyCar Deep Throat saying, looks like Rossi will be bought out. Also, Napa down to four to five races with Andretti for next year for the 27 car. Uh, Hinchcliffe wants to stay in IndyCar next year, still has his sponsor, not sure who he would go with. And that's kind of the the update on Andretti and and uh, Deep Throat also saying IndyCar Deep Throat. Hinch uh, out of his seat for next year as well. Yeah, a lot of stuff that we expected uh, from IndyCar Deep Throat. And, you know, going back with Devlin DeFrancesco, I'm not sure what the allure is for him in IndyCar other than money. I mean, that's a pretty <laughs> sizable check. Because the guy is sitting sixth in, in this championship right now in Indy Lights. He didn't win Indy Pro 2000 last year. He finished it in second. Um, I don't think he raced in USF 2000. Uh, I mean, his only championship of any kind was back in 2017 when he won the uh, the Formula 3 European Championship. Uh, or no, wait, let me see. Yeah, the Spanish Formula 3 Championship with Carlos. Um, so, uh, you know, when we're comparing resumes, there's no comparison between Kyle Kirkwood and Devlin DeFrancesco. I mean, he's a guy that just brings a big check at this point, and that can go a long way. Well, and to be fair, I mean, Hinch brings his sponsor, and that's how that seat was filled full-time for this year. I mean, it, it almost seems like that fourth seat, which, I mean, it's been kind of a mess so far this season. Last season at the end, it was at least competitive, and now now it just seems like a complete, I mean, dare I say ride-by, that, yeah. you know, there's some there's a lot of internal issues going on with the team. It's not just the driver struggling. It's engineering, it's management, it's I mean it's it's a lot of a lot of things are happening and Andretti that we know they'll make massive changes this offseason. You just kind of wonder if they're able to do so, they'd move people around before the Nashville race too. You think that early? I, I mean like within the team, if they may, you know, move sure. some people around. I mean, anything's possible right now. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, and we've mentioned it before, Caleb, a couple of their guys out of the seat for the last two or three races just to give other guys a shot. Wouldn't be surprised if that happens. And I don't think Andretti Auto Sports the only team that's entertaining that at this point. So I feel like we're, we're, we're going to find out a lot between now and the end of the season, obviously. But I think we're going to find out a lot over the next three races and going into the final, you know, the West Coast stretch because I feel like there could be – some 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 Zach Veach situations where those guys are removed, you know, a couple of drivers removed from their seats and new guys put in for those final two, three races of the year as sort of a tryout. I mean, they did it last year, like you mentioned, with, with Zach Veach and then James Hinchcliffe stepping in. So, like you said, not entirely impossible. Uh, an F1 name, we mentioned a couple other F1 names to keep in mind. Uh, Marshall saying Alex Albon, person of interest at Andretti, uh, also says... 
Marshall, uh, that he's aware of two other IndyCar teams that have either have or will make contact with him. Uh, this would not be in connection with Red Bull, though, Marshall writes. So I think this is something, but I, I would be surprised if Albon is in IndyCar next year. I feel like Alex Albon is still entertaining Formula One, and which he should. Uh, he's still, what, 24, 25 years old? 25. Uh, he's still got a lot of racing in him, and I think he's a guy that still thinks he has something to give to an F1 team. And I know he was mentioned in Chris Medlin's uh, F1 silly season story on racer.com earlier this week as maybe a guy, you know, sniffing around on a possibility for a couple teams. So, I, you know, I mentioned to you, Caleb, you know, we've seen the exodus, you know, from Europe and, and Formula F1 drivers into IndyCar, but every single one of those drivers had exhausted their options for seats in Formula One. And I don't think Alex Albon is there yet. So, you know, yeah, it's entertaining and, and interesting to see these guys come over, but none of them, and in, 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 in from what I understand, have left an F1 opportunity on the table to come to IndyCar. And, and so I, I feel like I don't think Alex Albon comes over here until he has exhausted all of those options. Yeah, outside of being a third or reserve driver, yes, I, I would agree. I mean, yes. Rossi simply didn't yeah. have the money. Erickson was a, a reserve driver his first season in IndyCar. Chilton came over. I, I think that was just a, a money move, I, I'm guessing. I, I don't know. But, I mean, the the team he was at, I mean, it, was, it wasn't continuing, if I'm not mistaken, because he was also with Marussia, uh, if I'm yeah. correct there. And then Grosjean, I mean, he was already out of the seat before that crash. Um, who are we missing? Is that is that it? Oh, Sato. Yeah, I mean Sato, his his run in F one came to an end because I mean that that he was with first Honda and then Super Aguri and that team folded and and that was that. Right. So you know they're all unique circumstances, but they're also basically come down to one thing: is that there were no seats available for them. So um, you know. Alex Albon still has his foot in the door, so to speak, in Formula One. I still think, um, he, you know, even waiting until 2023 before he would entertain coming over. Moving on to AJ Foyt Racing, Marshall says uh, they will return with two cars next year. There's a desire to take up Sebastian Bourdais' option, um, but really no other details. I would expect them to try to keep Bourdais if Bourdais wants to continue full-time in IndyCar. I think the second seat is a toss-up. If Dalton Kellett doesn't get the leader circle money, I think he's out. We know they tested Tatiana Calderon uh, a few weeks ago, so that would be an option. But I guess the question there is, how much money does she bring? Is it enough for a second full-time seat, or is it a partial seat? I think that's going to be a ride-by. I wouldn't be surprised if... If a Devlin DeFrancesco ends up there, if he has the budget, um, I I hope we have somebody a little bit more capable of being a contender in IndyCar than what we've had, you know, the last couple of years with Dalton Kellett. So that's my hope for that seat. But I think it's a position where, yeah, whoever brings the biggest check is probably going to get that seat. All right, Aaron McLaren SP. There's a lot more at play here. 
Marshall writes that they're known to be actively recruiting mechanics and engineers for a third full-time entry, but there's still no guarantee the car will be on the grid in 2022. It's feeling more likely than not to happen. Obviously, we know Pato Award will be back uh, with that team for next season. Uh, if the right driver can be signed, which does not include some of IndyCar's older stars or champions, so that removes Simon Pagano, which is a long-rumored driver, according to this. Um, that would remove Ryan hunter Ray, etc. Uh, look for a trio of AMSB entries next season. So, if Kirkwood somehow got away from Andretti, I mean, he he's there. What about if a big, a huge mistake for Andretti? Yeah, I mean. In my opinion, Kirkwood is more important than Grosjean at this point. I think the sky, you know, the, the ceiling is higher for Kirkwood at this point. The ceiling is the roof, to quote Michael Jordan? <laughs> the ceiling is the roof. But they cannot afford to lose Kyle Kirkwood to a contending team. But continue, Caleb. Yes, so Kirkwood, I, I think that's a long shot. In fact, I wouldn't even really put that name out there. Now, Older stars and champions. Um, this does leave room for a little wiggle room. Oliver Askew would qualify as not an older star champion. So that's a name out there. Agreed. Another name out there, and Marshall doesn't mention this. This is us, and we've been saying this for how long? Like, what? Seriously, like a year? Has it been almost a year now Alexander we've been saying this? Alexander Rossi. Yeah, and IndyCar Deep Throat uh, says. Predictions, uh, current seats for the four big teams, so the actual big teams in the silly season, because we know that Ganassi is is set, and we know with Andretti that there are two open seats, but IndyCar Deep Throat says for McLaren, you have Pato, and then from what sources have told IndyCar Deep Throat, Rossi or Askew in the second seat, the third seat open. So that's a question mark as of now, as Marshall basically said the same thing. It's a question mark. Now, Marshall says uh, if without a younger driver that's on par with Pato or Felix Rosenquist for the third car, uh, organization would wait to expand until that talent is available. But to me, if Rossi is bought out, which is what Nikar Deep Throat is telling us, it's what we've been saying for how long? I mean, seriously, we've been saying this for probably the entire off season going into this season, uh, really since last summer. I mean, we kind of saw that as a possibility, speculating. But again, uh, we're not hearing anyone talk about this, but we're also really not hearing anyone deny this, right? I mean, I'm not really seeing anyone entertain the idea, but I'm also not seeing people outright denying the idea either. You know what's crazy too is is you know people you know listen to the right now will probably saying look nobody else is talking about this nobody else is saying this Marshall Pruitt everybody's just assuming that Alexander Rossi will be back next year and, and that's that's fine but there's just also no discussion about how Rossi changes his luck and and how like there's no there's no talk coming out of that camp none right yeah and the, you know there's no interviews. There's no talks to Rob Edwards. There's no talk to Alexander Rod. Like you know, stories over this this summer break. There's just there's it's silence, and you and I are taking that silence as um, I say hostility is the right word, but you know there is a lot of behind the scenes drama with that team. 
going on right now. And it makes all types of sense that McLaren buys out Alexander Rossi's final season with, with the Andretti Autosport and puts a three-car team on, on, on the track next year, Pato Award, Marcus Erickson, and, or excuse me, yeah, you know, Felix Rosenquist, Pato Award, and Alexander Rossi at this point. You, you uh, think Felix is back next year? I, uh, it's tough. I mean, do you want to just pack it in uh, after, you know, effectively one season? I mean, they did the same with Oliver Askew, but then he returned with the team, and uh, his name is kind of being bandied about as, as an option back at, at McLaren. And I, I would mean, think yeah, they'd be better served signing him. I think the the issue was with Askew's management and the team, not so much with Askew as we saw Askew return to run a race. Yeah, right. So, you know, um, yeah, you know, maybe it's 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 Askew, Pato, and Rossi, and, and it gives Rossi a fresh start with a team that can compete, and it has somebody pushing Pato, and more importantly, being in the picture with Pato up front, right? Yeah. We talk so much about having teammates up front. Uh, it's not as big a deal as it is in F1, but it's still, you know, when you're up there and you look around and you don't have very many friends uh, amongst the you know top three, top five, that can get tough for a guy like Pacho Ward or any driver. So I think it makes all types of sense right now. I, I have a hard time thinking that, you know, the Andretti Autosport Alexander Rossi relationship can last another season with the lack of success it's having. I, I don't disagree at all, and I think that's why we kind of came to the conclusion. Seriously, I, 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 someone who's listening, point out when we came to this idea, because I honestly think it was at the latest last fall, if not last summer. I mean, it's it's right. been a while we've been talking about this. And nobody else is, and maybe it's because it's not a thing, but I also, you know, I'm going back to it, the, the lack of any type of uh, of feature story or update or how they turn it around or what's going right, what's going wrong story, any type of that. There's nothing coming from Alexander Rod. That entire 27 team is just locked down media-wise. I mean, yeah, you, you get you know a couple minutes with Rossi over the weekend and all that stuff, but there's been no discussion about his lack of success and, of course, the wind drought and all that stuff. And I just think that, you know, he, he's had it. And I think Rob Edwards has had it, and Andretti Autosport has had it. And I think everybody wins. You know, Andretti Autosport probably doesn't want to let Alexander Rossi get away, but at the same time, if they cannot help him get back to where he believes he should be, and you have a team out there that has the capital to buy out a contract and you know Errol McLaren SB has it, I think it just makes so much sense. Also think about it. Andretti, if they want to sign uh, Roman Grosjean, also retain Kyle Kirkwood, that gives them the money to do so and win the bidding war. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point. Take that buyout and, uh, and you know, save some money and, and bring a couple guys in. I mean, you had to, you had to retain Herta for a chunk of change. Uh, you're probably going to have to outbid a couple teams for Grosjean, so it's not going to be cheap. So it makes a lot of sense in that respect, for sure. All right, uh, this one pretty self-explanatory. Carlin Racing, uh, same deal with Max Chilton. He'll do road and street courses, the Indy 500. They'll have to find 
another driver of drivers uh, for the other ovals. They also aspire to return to two cars, but they need a pay driver. All right. I, I think <laughs> that's all there is to say there, right? <laughs> uh, Chip Ganassi um, Racing. This was surprising. Marcus Erickson is not re-signed for next season. Obviously, we expect him to return to the team uh, based on his performance this year, but that is surprising. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I, you know, it's just uh, a guy that's top five in the standings. Um, you feel like it would be just a no-brainer at this point, but you never know what Chip Ganassi racing, right? Ask Felix Rosenquist on that one. <laughs> Very, very true. And as we mentioned earlier, expect Jimmy Johnson to move to full time. And then we even saw confirmation earlier this week on, you know, what does that mean for Tony Kanaan and the oval seat? And it sounds like it won't be an issue whatsoever. Uh, in fact, let's see if I can find the exact uh, quote on that. With Jimmy Johnson. Okay, this is from Trackside Online. Jimmy Johnson says that Tony Kanaan is safe even if he races the IndyCar Ovals next year. He does suggest arm wrestling for the number 48. <laughs> <laughs> Do we expect four full-time cars for Chip Ganassi Racing and TK to just be ovals only, or do we expect him to split that with uh, Marcus Erickson? Do we expect a fifth full-time entry and it's split between road and street and ovals? What do we think right now on that one? I would think four full-time. TK guarantee the Indy 500, and he might do the other ovals, depending on you know what kind of sponsor money he brings to the table. All right. I, I think that's fair. All right. This is where things, I think, also get interesting once again. Dale Coyne Racing, uh, we expect Grosjean to be gone. Marshall brought up a, a point that I thought of the other day. So not only are they possibly losing you know, Roman Grosjean, they could potentially lose Vassar Sullivan. We mentioned last week uh, they're kind of reevaluating that program, may or may not return to coin. They will still partner with another team next season. But as Racer pointed out uh, earlier uh, within the past week or so, that that team is looking to move full-time on their own in 2023. Again, remember they have the sports car team that they already operate from their own shop. So, they're trying to move forward and separate themselves to their own entity. But I expect them to return to coin, and here's why. So Santino Ferrucci, IndyCar Deep Throat, mentioned to me that Ferrucci could be back at coin. I would expect him to pair with Vassar Sullivan just because Ferrucci has some sponsor connections with his, his NASCAR ride, but not enough for a full season. And I think that would be a good fit uh, returning with that partnership. Obviously, the, the second car, we have no clue, depending on, you know, what coin. I mean, they always find some random driver, and it usually works out for the second car. But Marshall says, would Hinchcliffe be a good fit in one of coin's entries? I thought that the other day, because if they have Ferrucci and then Hinchcliffe has some sponsor money, as IndyCar Deep Throat tells us, then that would be enough probably to, to make those both full-time. Potentially. I think there's a lot to, to digest there. Uh, it's uh, The Vassar Sullivan angle is really interesting because you feel like, okay, Dale Coyne really needs to make a splash next year to keep Vassar Sullivan around. 
But I just never feel like Dale Coyne's that guy that's just going to do something to appease others. He's always going to do something that protects his business, and that's why he's been around for so long. And so, look, if he can take the better financial deal uh, instead of maybe taking a risk on somebody that they have to pay uh, or at least not have all the full budget for, that maybe potentially could be better to appease Vassar Sullivan, you know, I feel like Coin's always going to take the financially responsible angle uh, for his business. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Is, is, it, is it Ferrucci? I mean, or is he a Rayal Letterman landing guy at this point? Um, where does Dale Coin go? But, you know, I, you know, we may be asking that question up until – you know, the first week of March, who knows? You know, that's just how Dale Coyne rolls sometimes. <laughs> and that makes it exciting. I mean, he's had his drivers confirmed earlier and earlier in the off season of the past couple of years. It's it's really thrown us off not having that TBA on the on the first entry yeah. list. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so Ed Carpenter Racing, you have Renus VK. He signed a multi-year deal prior to the 2021 season, according to Pruitt. On the number 20, Ed Carpenter, back for the Ovals next year. As far as Connor Daly, that's dependent on providing the majority of the budget. And we've always wondered this, and I, I've never really been quite convinced, but Marshall says if a driver like Daly or one of equal or greater talent merges with a full budget for ECR, Carpenter would go to two full-time drivers and put a third ECR car in motion for himself on the ovals. So that basically confirms that the Air Force is paying a half season. They're not paying the full amount. We always kind of wondered why they didn't do it that way. Well, I mean, we thought that, well, you know, it was money, but when you have a high-profile sponsor like that, I, I guess you just kind of assume they're paying more than enough, and apparently they're not. Not so fast. No. <laughs> so, no, so I think, you know, financially, I feel like, you know, Ed Carpenter Racing would want to get to three, two full-times at Ed Carpenter, but it's got to make financial sense. And we've heard with Connor, I mean, I feel like Connor has to close the season really strong um, to retain the Air Force and also have some momentum going into next season. Because, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, he's struggled. What is he, 18th in the standings? He doesn't have a top 10 finish. He's sandwiched in between Ryan hunter Ray and James Hinchcliffe, both guys of whom are losing their rides this year. As, as we have heard. I mean, not confirmed, but yes, both guys well, we expect yeah, to be yeah, out of a seat. Expect both of them out. Uh, so, yeah, it's just uh, it, it's been an absolute struggle for Connor Daly. Uh, I mean, we've mentioned it before, just how many more opportunities does he get? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think we'll really know if the results aren't there by the end of the season. I think we'll have our answer. Yeah, it'll be it'll be an easy easy decision if you know, some results don't start being put up here over, over the final six races. All right, Meyer Shank Racing and Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing, we'll get to them in a bit, but one name that we have heard thrown out there in, in the past and just kind of laughed it off, well, Motorsport.com's David Malsher Lopez with an article going back to Ed Carpenter Racing. Uh, one last little note on them. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg has an interest in IndyCar. I think we've kind of heard this in the past, but this time we have direct quotes from Ed Carpenter saying, I've talked to Nico several times over the past year and a half. I think he definitely has an interest in coming over and at least experiencing an, an IndyCar in a test. But getting that nailed down is not something that just happens out of desire. 
I'm sure Grosjean has helped with that. In fact, Ed goes on to say that. But again, I, I see this as a, okay, he's more interested than in the past. It was kind of used as a throwaway line, I think, in previous off seasons when he was looking for a ride. But I would still be shocked if he's racing in an Indy car next year. Right. I, I just I feel the same way. I mean, you read that story and it, you immediately if you just read the headline in the first couple paragraphs, you'd feel pretty positive about Nico Hulkenberg. But the deeper you went into the story, there was a lot of I thinks and perhaps and maybes. And, you know, there was not there was not a firm. There was no quote from Nico Hulkenberg saying I'm interested in IndyCar. And until I see that, I'm going to take that story with a grain of salt because that's. Ed Carpenter talking about how he's had conversations and maybe this could happen and maybe it's just a test and all that stuff. That to me is a long way off of saying Nico, Nico Hulkerberg is interested in running full-time in IndyCar in 2022 or even 2023 at this point. Another guy that's maybe feels like he still has an opportunity to race full-time in Formula One, hasn't done it since 2019, now a reserve driver with Aston Martin, I think. I think so. So... Um, but also then again, he's, he's 33, getting a little long in the tooth, particularly for Formula One. Uh, is he a guy that looks at a Roman Grosjean in the next couple of years and says, I don't have very many, you know, top years left. And, you know, I want to go try to win a race, something that he hasn't done since, uh, I think he won Le Mans in, in one year. Um, he hasn't won an F1. In fact, does he have the record for most F1 starts without a podium? Really? I, don't know. That, that, I, I think that, he does. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, doesn't that never even had a podium in Formula 1. You're right. So when does he reach the point where he's like, look, this is a dead end, and I want a couple years of competitiveness? Some of the words Roman Grosjean has gotten. So I could see that being an avenue that Nico Hulkenberg goes down. I just don't think it's 2022. Yeah, I I would agree. I would think he could still find, you know, a, a reserve driver role still pays well. I get that you're not really competing much, but it pays well. Uh, Le Mans, uh, WEC, you know, any kind of touring car series. I mean, it, DTM, it just seems like there are more options, and I don't see him as the guy who wants to come over here uh, to run any car for whatever reason. I, I don't know why. It's just kind of the vibe I get. Yeah, I would agree. He just doesn't seem like that type of guy, or at least he's not open to it, at least not quite yet. All right, Ray Hall next on the list. Marshall says their third-car aspirations for 2022 remain active. Don't be surprised if an Oliver Askew or another championship-winning driver held in high regard by the team is given a tryout with a few races with the number 45 Honda. Uh, Ferrucci mentioned about how he's been quick, but Marshall really doesn't say anything else about Ferrucci. And IndyCar Deep Throat says... Expect that lineup to be Graham, Sato, and Jack Harvey. That's to be confirmed soon. And if I'm Jack Harvey, I mean, to walk away from Shank with the investments and the development and just, you know, how he's grown with that team, I would hope that he clearly had a better offer on the table. I mean, I would clearly hope that. I mean, you have to be pretty confident otherwise to walk away when you've had a very up-and-down season Flashes of talent, but the results haven't been consistently there yet. He had a multi-year deal on the table, literally sounded like on the table, from the team that just won the Indianapolis 500. And, yeah, didn't win it with him, 
but it shows the momentum that that team is gaining. And they were still, we talked to Michael Shank, Caleb, and he was completely invested in Jack Harvey. And for him to walk away from that and be potentially the third driver at Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan, a team that has not won multiple races in a season since what, two years ago? Uh, Sato won two in 20. Oh, what year was this? 18. He won at Barber and at Portland. Is that right? Or no? No, he won at Gateway in Portland in 2018. I know he won at Barber in 19. Is that right? But I mean, that's it. Uh, I looked it up. It is Gateway and Barber in 19. Okay. And only one run race in 18, and that was Portland. Okay. Sato. Got to mix uh, up. Hall, of course, won back-to-back at Detroit in 17. But, you know, the point still stands. I mean, if you're going to be the third guy at a team that, you know, only one driver has won, I mean, I'm looking back real quick, Caleb. I can't find when Ray Hall Letterman Landing had two different drivers win a race in the same season. That's a that is a great question. Don't forget, Sato won the eighty five hundred in twenty twenty. Just throwing that on there. Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, for sure. I'm just saying, like, are you going to be the third driver there? Um, and in fact, since two thousand two, they've never had two different drivers with the same team win. Two thousand two would that have been like Kenny Brack and Max Pappas? Uh, it was just. Vassar that did IndyCar, I'm looking here. 2002, 2003 was Brack and Vassar. Uh, 2001 in Cart was Brack and Pappas. Okay, so a while, it's been a while. <laughs> so it's been since 2001 with Max, with Pappas and Brack was the last time that Rail Letterman Lanigan had two different drivers win in the same season. By the way, that shell livery that Brack had in 2001, that's, I think, one of my all-time favorites. Just throwing that out there. It's boss. So it's a giant leap for Jack Harvey. And let's say even if he's replacing Takuma Sato, which some people are hinting at, but IndyCar Deep Throat is indicating to us that, no, he's not going anywhere, uh, at least right now. Um, You know, even if he's the second driver. (laughs) No, I mean, it's, it's Ray Hall. And and him and you know only one of you is, is winning per year. Yeah, I mean it's a good point. I I guess to me, with Harvey, I think you have a bigger team, so you have more resources and more long term experience with Ray Hall and I, I don't know. It, to me, unless the Auto Nation money is you know tied to Jack and not necessarily to Meyer Shank, then he's probably safe. But I mean it's definitely a risk to walk away. I, I don't think. Either of us would disagree with that. To walk away from Meyer Shank seemed like a surprising move on his part. So we shift to what looks like other options with Ray Hall. Probably not Antonio Felix da Costa, but he is sniffing around for a potential ride for next year. That according to IndyCar Deep Throat. They also tested Oliver Askew. And then a driver that we've all heard of uh, at Barber a few days ago. And... Bear with me while I find this driver's name because it doesn't just roll off the tongue. Uh, it's it's <laughs> not a regular driver uh, for me to even keep an eye on. And that would be the name of Christian Lungard. He's an F2 race winner. He He's kind of sh- struggled for a bit, but 
that's the other name to keep in mind. Could he be, you know, on the West Coast swing? I think Ferrucci, he'll have Nashville. I don't know if they'll do Gateway with that 45 car. And then I would think it's between Askew and this Christian Lundgaard guy. I don't think it'll work with uh, DaCosta. But that that one of those drivers will get that West Coast swing. I, I think so. I, I agree at this point. So who is it? Who gets that shot? And do they make the most of the opportunity and potentially fill the seat next year? And then with Meyer Shank, uh, the second to last team on the list. Again, Elio full-time. We know that. I mentioned earlier Kyle Kirkwood would be a solution if he can't be placed with the Andretti team, which I just I don't buy that that would happen unless – they just spend all their money on Grosjean, and then Rossi stays, and Hinchcliffe somehow stays, which I don't buy that. Uh, team sponsor AutoNation, Ryan Hunter-Ray, have a close relationship. We mentioned why would they pair Hunter-Ray and Elio, you know, outside of the AutoNation detail and then the fact that they're both Indy 500 winners. I mean, that's enticing, but like like we said earlier, I would be surprised with that move just because outside of Indy, I mean – how competitive are they going to be? And Marshall throws this name. Then there's Simon Pagano. So we know Penske wants to still run four cars next year with Pagano. In fact, IndyCar Deep Throat says Simon will be out of his seat for next year. And this is where it gets absolutely wild. Um, <laughs> and I mean wild. Uh, IndyCar Deep Throat telling us the fourth Penske car could go to Valtteri Botas. Apparently, Penske reached out and offered a multi-year deal. No idea other than a source that passed that along. I mean, that is wild. I would be shocked. But if you're Penske, why not Why not try? <laughs> I mean, I understand, you know, why not? But it goes back to, to my point earlier, Caleb. No Formula One driver recently uh, has left Formula One with any offers on the table to come to IndyCar. And, and Botas is going to have his pick of where he wants to go next year. Won't be Mercedes. It won't be Red Bull. Uh, but other won't than that, be McLaren. Won't be McLaren. I mean, Ferrari probably not. But there's six other teams that will gladly take Valtteri Botas next year. And you know what? With him playing second fiddle to Lewis Hamilton for so long, even being a mid-pack driver uh, or for a mid-pack team. Uh, as a number one driver, I feel is going to be refreshing for Valtteri Bottas. So, I mean, there's various other reasons why it's not happening, but, you know, that's the main one. Look, Bottas is going to be in Formula One next year for someone if it's not Mercedes. He's not going to be running for Team Penske. But, hey, kudos for, for Roger Penske for at least making the call. I would expect Bottas to be the number one driver at Alfa Romeo replacing Kimi Raikkonen. I don't think that's far-fetched. That seat possibly could be available. I don't expect Botas to go back to Williams. He was there. Remember, Williams used to be good. <laughs> like yeah. they used to be good. He <laughs> raced for Williams back when they were good in twenty like thirteen and and fourteen, um, and then eventually went to Mercedes. So, <laughs> but you know, you know, the the selling point for everybody for Formula One twenty twenty two is we're going to be better now with the new car and engine formula and regulations. Mm-hmm. I mean, so. Everybody's going to be making that pitch from Haas to Williams to Alfa Romeo to Ferrari. Everybody is going to be making that. But you know what? In true Formula One's fashion, next year, 
there's going to be still some stinky teams. So with Simon Pagano, where does that leave him? Well, he doesn't have many options. Uh, Marshall says Aaron McLaren SP. Uh, I can say with confidence that there are no openings for a return to his former team. So cross that off. We thought that for a long time, that that was a possibility. Marshall says rule that out. Uh, he also says, I've heard nothing about Andretti, Ganassi, or Hall holding an interest for his full-time services. Uh, but Meyer Shank could be a possibility. Think about it with sports cars, uh, plus LMDH stuff uh, down the road, and the Indy 500. I mean, it all ties in well. In fact, so much so that IndyCar Deep Throat has Simon slotted in in that second full-time Meyer Shank ride. Plus, he would pair with his, his former Team Penske teammate, Elio Castroneves. That makes a lot more sense to me than Ryan hunter I would agree. I, I, you know, do we see maybe Team Penske, if they don't have a driver out there that's going to fill that fourth seat, will they bring back Simon Pagano or will they not run a fourth car next year? I could very well see that possibility where they say, you know what, instead of bringing in a driver that we feel is not adding, you know, is not 100% what we want for this team, we're just going to run three next year, and we'll wait till next silly season to sign who we want. And, and you know, maybe that is potential in Alexander Rossi if he doesn't leave. So uh, I, that, that's, a, that's a team that I wouldn't be surprised if they do that. You know, we don't want anybody in this free agent class. We're just going to uh, subtract a car for a year. And Marshall adds, unless they swoop in and grab Grosjean, and that's talking about Penske, they could try to hold on to Pagano for a year and then kind of see how that goes and then drop down to three cars. That's kind of the last of his update. IndyCar Deep Throat with Penske on the lineup. Obviously, we know Joseph, Will, and Scott uh, will be there next year. And then it's between Botas, Grosjean, and Rossi. Yeah, Rossi apparently back in the mix with Penske. I would think it's Pagano or three cars personally. I think that's where I stand on that. If, let's say, Alexander Rossi is indeed – uh, attempted to be bought out by McLaren, would Penske then swoop in and try to outbid McLaren to buy him out? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's really a toss-up because, to me, you, you turn down Penske once, you, you miss your chance. Yeah, it's true. That's well, just... We could be desperate at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very desperate. I yeah. will take what you offered the first time around. I'll take half at this point. Just get me out of here. <laughs> yeah, I, I would think that desperation uh, will show itself here in the coming weeks to months, and we'll see Alexander Rossi at a different team next year. So we want to know what you think. You can interact with us. Find us at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. While you're there, subscribe to our weekly email list so you never miss an episode. You can find us on social media. Just like us on Facebook, New Track Record. Search for us there. Our Twitter handle, IndyCar Podcast. And also you can send us an email, NewTrackRecordPodcast at gmail.com. All right, Justin, it is time for the mailbag as we get to tweets, emails, everything of the like. We actually have a couple of uh, website submissions so this is nice. just via NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. You can send uh, a question via the site. And as I pull those up, we'll get to those first before we get to tweets. And we got a couple. So the first one, this from – I'm going to mispronounce this. I apologize. But Josue <laughs> Cano it just says, thank you for your podcast. I've been an IndyCar fan since 1998, Champ Car Side. 
Please continue your podcast. Keep us updated on updates about IndyCar. Thank you. I found your podcast in the IndyCar Reddit community. So thank you, Josue, for listening. Not really a question, but again, thanks for the love and the shout out. This from Alexi Hrushko. Uh, again, apologize if I mispronounce that. Um, he says, during the last episode, you talked about IndyCar's TV rating that raised up to 30% this year. What about the non-U.S. ratings? I know that Roger doesn't care much about non-U.S. Canada fan base. There are many people from Mexico, South America, Europe, Australia, Asia watching IndyCar. Is there any information available about the audience and TV ratings in these regions? I know that Sky Sports bought the rights in broadcasting uh, IndyCar on their Sky F1 channel. In my region of Eastern Europe, we are using Viasat Sport to watch IndyCar with NBC Audio and Natural Sounds during the advertising. And TV deal costs, and we see about 20 million US dollars. How much does it cost for foreign broadcasters to buy the rights? Any information? P.S. Thanks for the show. Random split era driver part is always hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is fun. That's been a fun new addition. Um, as far as international rights, I mean, I have no idea on you know what they do. I know that they're in it's something insane. Like it's over a hundred countries, right? The IndyCar is broadcasting. Yeah, absolutely. So we haven't heard anything, but I can't remember too, if we've ever heard anything during the season, uh, for the, uh, for the international broadcast. So I've seen stuff on the Indy 500 pop up as far as like in, in Europe, like on sky sports on their viewership here and there, but that's about it. Yeah. So, you know, we know that IndyCar loves to tout when the ratings are good. So is that an indication that they're not up as much as in the continental United States? Or is it, you know, they just don't traditionally report on those things during the season? I'm really not sure. But hopefully at the end of the year, we'll get some indication on just how some of those uh, ratings were uh, went and see if, if it's a similar rise around the world that uh, what we're seeing uh, here in the U.S. Well, in the international TV deal, we had Stephen Sarks on a couple of years ago to talk about, you know, putting together the TV deal. He's no longer with IndyCar, but uh, he kind of managed that aspect of it. And, you know, if you go back in the archives, you can find that episode. And I think he had some details on that, not so much on ratings, but, you know, how they come about those deals and, I know they used to just do everything through ESPN International, but then IndyCar brought it in-house under Mark Miles a couple years ago. And then, I mean, they negotiate these things just like the the domestic TV deal and the Canadian TV deal. I mean, when the deals come up, they have to renegotiate. So we haven't heard anything, I think, because the TV deals internationally aren't necessarily up. Yeah. So, you know... We can't have it all, Caleb. You know, you know, it, we're, we're we're those people. If we if we get ninety nine out of a hundred things good, we want that hundredth, right? But uh, <laughs> you know, we'll see. We'll we'll definitely uh, see exactly what happens uh, at the end of the year. Hopefully, there's some good news from some of the other broadcasters. Yeah, it's. I honestly, I mean, that stuff is like so far off our radar, and I appreciate that we have listeners across the world. It's really cool, but. Yeah, domestically, we don't even get that kind of information uh, on any of that stuff. I mean, we're lucky. To, we're lucky to get it here uh, on the NBC side. <laughs> yeah, 
for sure. So hopefully it keeps going up. Hopefully we have a lot of good news at the end of the season, not just from NBC, but also around the world. For sure. All right, getting to the tweets portion. Uh, again, thanks for the website submissions, email submissions. Also, we get to the tweet submissions, and let's see where we start out with. And first, uh, posted a poll, the driver of the number 60 Myershank Racing car. 39% said Ryan hunter Ray, 22% said Grosjean, 26% said Other, 13% Hinch. Again, this is before we, we knew everything in the latest article. Um, let's see. There, This is from the previous week, but there are a couple of new submissions. Uh, Atlanta Cat 99 ask you or maybe Lundquist, depending on how the Indy Lights Championship goes, then Kirkwood will end up in Hinch's current spot at Andretti. You know, it's surprising we haven't heard Linus Lundquist's name, and I guess it's just simply a funding issue, right? All indications are, because I feel when we talk Indy Lights drivers, he, to me, is the second most qualified to move up uh, behind Kyle Kirkwood. And if Linus Lundquist wins Indy Lights, we'll see him in some capacity next year in IndyCar. So hopefully an Indy Lights championship would uh, propel him into a better situation in IndyCar. Because as we know, he came back over here because of running out of money overseas, correct? Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe it's a, there's a little bit of a path, a better path for Venus Lundquist uh, to get a shot in IndyCar uh, than, you know, obviously F2 and F1. So money is an issue, yeah, but I feel like at least IndyCar, as compared to even as recently as five years ago, I think is better positioned to give drivers that don't bring a lot of money uh, in and give them a shot. You know what I mean? I mean, it's not, you know, strictly there's one or two teams and everybody else is basically strictly ride buying, or at least you need to bring some funding. I think there's more opportunities out there. So these Lundquist, I, I feel, is going to get a shot at some point, whether it's a race, whether it's a test, whether it's three races after winning the, the Indy Lights championship. He just needs to impress, and I think the rest will take care of itself. Yeah, and, and again, the top three, I believe, get an IndyCar test. So like you, like you said. That's right. He has the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely does. I forgot about the top three, so he'll, he'll get a chance, no doubt. All right, this from Hunter's Way 67. No way Rossi leaves for a Chevy team other than Penske, and that ship has sailed, in my opinion. You know, yeah. I, I would say, yeah, I agree, but look what happened with Simon Pagino. I mean, he was a Honda guy. <laughs> yeah, true. That, I think anything's on the table. If you're good enough, right, you'll get a shot. Another shot, even. And let's see what else do we have here on the tweets. Just a few trickling in here and there. Uh, this from Vicky Lynn 26 We'll have to see how JJ's test at Homestead goes before I say both, but there's a good shot. It will be both. And this is under which driver is full-time in any car next year? 53% said Roman Grosjean. 2% said Jimmy Johnson. 2% said neither. 43% said both. Uh, also, Poet Shevchenko on that. I might put TMS as a possible exception, even though it's no longer the the track uh, fearsome for pack racing that it was four-plus years ago. Yeah, I mean, to me, that was the track that was holding up these drivers, and it doesn't race that way anymore. And, I mean, that is an important market for IndyCar, uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth market. And with Eddie Gossage leaving... 
I mean, that deal is going to change a lot if they will continue forward after next season. Yeah, there's a lot to uh, to digest there for sure. We we feel you know Eddie Gossage gone. It he was such an advocate of IndyCar there. And look, ovals with better turnout for races have gone away from the IndyCar schedule. So Eddie Gossage, in my opinion, was the only one keeping IndyCar Texas. Uh, so is the new regime similarly dedicated to IndyCar? I, I find that doubtful, but we'll see. This from Daniel SEM 2004. If Grosjean wants an AA seat, he will have to be full-time. Jimmy is getting the itch to be on ovals, and his wife will cave to it. Both will be full-timers in 22. And this from Jamin T14. Grosjean will be because he's going to move up to a bigger team and have to be. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Grosjean is a lock at this point. Jimmy Johnson, I I would put it, what, 75%? Yeah, I would say so. Trending upwards, but right now it's 75%. Continuing on with other tweets. Uh, let's see. This from uh, Scuba Steve 85 <laughs> just the gif, the plot thickens. And that was on the Christian Lundgaard test. That was a name that we did not have on our radar whatsoever. No, we did not. And, and you know, some of these could just be, you know, all he wants to do is test an IndyCar. And, you know, if you bring enough money and write enough check, a big enough check, you can get that done. So I think a lot of these teams are just fi- trying to find, uh, you know, the next big thing, the next big driver. And I think you're seeing different avenues where teams are willing to go to try to find talent because we're seeing the diversification of the series in terms of drivers from different disciplines coming in and succeed, whether you're talking about Roman Grosjean, where you're talking about Scott McLaughlin. I mean, these guys, uh, you know, where you're talking Alex Pelot, right? So these drivers are coming from different disciplines and shining. And so I feel like a lot of these teams are going, look, all options are on the table where we're going to look for talent. This from Pizza893, Mario Andretti, and that's in response to the driver of the number 60 Meyershank racing car next year. <laughs> <laughs> Could he do any worse than a couple of their drivers in the seats this year? Um, I'm going to go with no. I think he could do a lot better than... There's not much more to fall in terms of full-time drivers and the points, right? Yeah, I mean, there, there are a couple drivers I think he would be on pace with. I mean, you talk about one of, if not the most naturally gifted race car driver we have ever seen. So, couple that with... Whatever, right? What? In, in whatever, right? I yeah. mean, you know, Indy, Daytona, F1. I mean, sports cars. Yes. Keeps going. I think he has a good shot. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he'll be in the seat, but I think that would be awesome. Uh, this yeah, fr- also from Vicky Lynn 26 uh, in regards to the IndyCar Silly Season update. Um, I hope is Simon Pagano stays at Team Penske. Don't want to see him in a spam car. Well, according to the recent update, doesn't sound like spam is an an option for Mr. Pagano, which, I mean, the move makes sense, but also I think we put a lot of stock in Gilles DeFerrin being a part of that team, and when he left, I think some of that connection went away. Sure, yeah, I would agree. I think he was that bridge to a lot of, of, uh, of relationships, and him leaving definitely, I think they took a step back in that regard. All right, this from Jensen EV. You guys are talking about Gateway or Texas on network. 
Did you miss Gateway every year since its return? Processional, where the leader can't pass the car in last. Tire degradation is non-existent. Means no difference in pace. Put on Texas, and that's as far as network TV. Yeah, Gateway has been so fickle. I mean, it's been feast or famine to me as far as the entertainment of the race. Uh, the first year was tough to pass, but you at least had the battle at the front. Uh, in 18, I was actually at the 18 race. It was very processional. 19, it was real exciting because that was Sato and Ed Carpenter at the finish, right? And then last year, I, I felt like was kind of in between for both the races. I, I don't know. I, one race was meh. And the other race was decent from what I recall. Right, yeah, and, you know, I even saw a quote from Dalton Kellett who did test at that gateway test, and he gave an indication that he didn't know how much on-track passing there would be as opposed to guys on different uh, strategies. So, um, you know, could that be a potential issue here and now in just a couple weeks before we head to gateway? All right, and I will double-check, but I believe that wraps up our uh, mailbag portion. This week, that's back-to-back weeks we haven't had an email. That's just disappointing. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just it's a slow time. I mean, thankfully we had plenty, plenty, plenty to discuss as far as the uh, silly season goes. But you know, no, no, Robin Miller mailback. You know, I'm really missing that, by the way. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, it was good for some comedy from questions. You know what I mean? So and, you know, occasionally you get a tidbit or two in there. So, again, continue to send Robin our best. Um, really hope that Definitely. he can come back to the racetrack. I mean, obviously we missed the mailbag, but to me, I mean, his health obviously paramount here, and hopefully he can uh, get back to the racetrack in time. Okay, so that wraps up the mailbag portion, and we get to news and notes. And, again, not a whole lot else going on. Uh, Sage Karam, he has a NASCAR ride, and I thought, this uh, kind of came out of the blue, to be honest, but he will race in the Pinzoil. What is it? Pinzoil one fifty. Is that what it is? I think so. Yeah. So he'll be uh, the I, the IMS race August fourteenth. The number thirty one uh, Chevy Camaro, and I can't even figure out the team name here. <laughs> Well, why not? Jordan Anderson, I think, is the team owner. <laughs> I don't follow Xfinity. This is this is beyond uh, my area of expertise. But your expertise, yeah, I think it is. <laughs> uh, what is it? It's the um, Jordan Anderson Camaro here. I'm looking at the tweet. There's a lot of Mon- Montage Mountain. It's a ski resort. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the sponsor. There's a lot of at in this uh, in this tweet for sure, but uh, good opportunity for Sage Karam. We'll see what it uh, what it results in. You know, of course, it's just the Xfinity race at IMS. He's already there, obviously. So, um, really good opportunity for Sage, and and keeps him in the seat at the very least. He's a guy that I think the more he races, regardless of what discipline it is, the better uh, he can be when he is in an IndyCar. So, uh, good luck to Sage. It is the Pennzoil 150. I was correct at the Brickyard. That's the name. It is Jordan Anderson Racing. So we got it right. We we we, we somehow yeah, did it. Well, not we. That's all you. Man. <laughs> uh, elsewhere in some notes, uh, 
Portland GP single day tickets now on sale. You can check out their website for more details there. That's the only event on the schedule, correct me if I'm wrong, that doesn't have a title sponsor. Uh, I mean, the Indy 500 doesn't have a title sponsor, but it has a presenting sponsor. Okay, yes. And then we had testing. Speaking of uh, testing, testing at Gateway earlier this week, A.J. Foyt had Bourdais and Kellett. Andretti had their uh, quartet of drivers, Dale Coin Racing, uh, Grosjean, and then... The Vassar Sullivan entry had Ed Jones there. Ed Carpenter had Carpenter and VK. And Team Penske had Scott McLaughlin there uh, as well for testing there. And then Top Gun Racing raced at Sebring on the short course. And then I know uh, Chip Ganassi Racing is is headed to the West Coast, I believe, to Portland to test coming up in the next few days. So a a little bit of testing going on, you know, during this off period and I think the real question is, you know, Sage Carib, could we see him in another IndyCar ride before the end of the season? We know Top Gun Racing is doing the Indy GP. Could we also see them at Gateway, for example? I mean, those are kind of the things to think about uh, as we move closer to the end of the season. Well, we felt when Sage Carib was teasing something big coming, we thought maybe it was a, a Dreyer and Reinbold entry for later in the season, but it ended up being that Xfinity ride. So, um Hopefully we see him again, but, um, you know, who, who knows? This could be the first of a couple opportunities at, uh, in Xfinity, depending on how it goes. And another driver to keep in mind as far as silly season, Juan Manuel Correa. He could look to racing in America next season. I remember he was involved in that horrifying crash with Antoine Hubert, who, who, who tragically lost his life at Spa back in 2019. Uh, he's been racing – uh, this season in Formula 3, as he's uh, recovering from his injuries from that, uh, he says, um, not Formula 3 for next year. F2 on the table, maybe even going to America. I'm looking at IndyCar. Indy Lights is also an option, but it's a bit too early to tell you which way we would go. Uh, also mentioned IMSA. Um, he says IndyCar is a category that I follow quite a bit, and it makes for great racing. Um, so I think that's kind of the direction we've been looking at. So it's a name to keep in mind, that article on racer.com, Chris Medland, uh, with the story there. So another name to keep in mind. Just add it to the list. (laughs) Right? That time of year. (laughs) At least he says some glowing things about IndyCar and seems a little bit more aware. It wasn't used as a negotiating ploy, you know, because that's the difference. Yeah, we have seen that. (laughs) Aaron McLaren SP unveiled uh, some new liveries for Nashville. Kind of reminds me of their testing livery, at least with Pato's car. Oh, okay, yeah, with the uh, like camo type stuff? Yeah. Nice. So this was a fan design, but uh, cool stuff there. Did you, did you see this one, Justin? Uh, Justin Marks <laughs> uh, said anything is possible for team track house which competes in nascar they bought up chip ganassi's nascar operation he says including yep. the indy 500 now kurt bush is one of their drivers if i'm not mistaken he raced in the indy 500 back in 2014 for andretti could uh, this be a possibility even you know as what as early as next year uh that in the context uh that i saw it in that just sounds like we want to get this thing going and, and 
you know, eventually we'd look at that. I, I don't see that as anything imminent to me. That's kind of how I took it. I don't know how you took it, Caleb. Yeah, I just took it as, oh, we're exploring all the options, and that could be one if the right thing came together. Yeah, absolutely. So, look, I, I hope it happens down the road. I just I don't feel like it's anytime soon. All right. Neft Vodka will be the official ultra-premium vodka of Andretti Steinbrenner Autosport. That came down. Never heard of it, but hey, it's cool to have, you know, another sponsor like that back in the mix. We all think of fuzzies for a long time with Ed yeah. Carpenter Racing. Then you go back a bit, and you had Canadian Club with with Dario, which not a not a vodka, but again similar. Oh, Jim Beam yeah. with uh, Dan Weldon back in the day. But uh, this is a associate sponsor. I mean, it's not like a major sponsor, but uh, exciting announcement nonetheless. Also, this one uh, I thought was very interesting. Simon Pagano, uh on Racing Cafe. They have English subtitles for this. You can find this on Twitter via M. DuForest. That's the letter M is in Michael, Michael DeForest. And then D-U and then spelled out forest, like a forest of trees. That's his Twitter handle, M. DeForest. And the, the video link there, but Simon Pagano explains during the show, Racing Cafe, he had the opportunity to test with an F1 team. And you can watch the clip oh. for the answer. I'm not going to tell you the answer. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, very, very cool. That'd be an opportunity. Could he be a free agent in IndyCar while testing a Formula One car? Who knows? Yeah. And then Scott McLaughlin, keeping it with Penske, he ran the uh, the Dayglow uh, testing livery, you know, kind of like the black, white, and day glow orange livery that they've run in the past, like with Elio. Uh, he ran that livery for testing at Gateway. Cool to see that back. Yeah, definitely. Classic, classic look. Okay. Uh, looking through, oh, and one other Penske-related note, just a lot of Penske news. Uh, Joseph Newgarden was on the latest episode of the Dale Jr. Download, and a uh, funny clip about how Joseph got into the racing. He actually did scooter racing. And competed in that. I saw that. <laughs> Very funny. Very funny. Uh, but with that, that wraps up news and notes. And I know you have handpicked a very special random split era driver for tonight's episode. So have at it. You know, we had a lot of good candidates once again this week and uh, I narrowed it down to a single driver that we're going to go to. Uh, let me see. Let me bring it up here. I had it up. Where did it go? Where did he go? Uh, let's see. We're going to go to 2001 in the Kart World Series, Caleb. All right. Uh, hang on. Let me pull up my Wikipedia machine. Okay. And pull up the Kart season so I can I can quickly access. Season. Yes. And, you know, it always seems like when we're looking for an obscure driver – you can always just start flipping through Dale Coin Racing stable <laughs> of drivers over the years. And by gosh, that's exactly where I ended up this week. Uh, he raced in a pair of races for Dale Coin in 2001. Yes, my friends, Mr. Mr. Michael Crum. You know what's crazy? You could have picked either of these drivers. Yes, right? <laughs> I decided to go Crum because it was, uh, you know, I had, oh, who did he have? Who's his other one in 01? I'm looking at uh, The other now. driver, Luis Garcia Jr. Yes, I almost picked him. 
But then uh, Michael Crum for his primary sponsor had the dark dog. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but that was the clincher for me. But uh, Michael Crum is a uh, he's from Germany, a uh, German professional racing driver. Uh, he is specialized in uh, touring cars and GT cars over in Japan. So a lot of what his uh, his opportunities in racing have come over Japan actually married a Japanese tennis player back in 2001. Uh, and so uh, he's raced a lot over there. But in his two races for Dale Coyne Racing in 2001, Caleb, uh, he was 23rd at Monterey in Mexico. You know, that place that everybody still wants to go back to. And was... 15th at Long Beach. And that was it. Yeah, first two races so two of the season. Done. No points scored. Two and done. Dale Coyne had enough, apparently. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was it for uh, Mr. Michael Crum in in the series. And it's interesting because those were the only two races that Dale Coyne competed in in the 2001 Cart World Series, Caleb. Yeah, I mean, you look at 2000, they had Tarso Marquez, um, run nearly a full season in one of the cars. He scored a whopping one point. Alex Barron ran a handful of races. Galter Salas, I think I mispronounced that, uh, ran a handful of races. And then Takuya Kurosawa, a rookie, also ran a handful of races, scored one point as well. And that was a two-car team that they ran b- both those cars full-time. In 2000, but as you mentioned, 2001, nothing. In 2002, in fact, a couple of down years for Coin, um, they ran Rockingham in 2002 with Darren Manning, and then Andre Lauderer, who's an accomplished sports car guy, ran at Mexico in 2002. That at uh, Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez, which is the F1 track, if I'm not mistaken, and that those were the only two races they ran. In 2002, 2003, they picked back up uh, with a handful of drivers on the list. But, yes, a uh, couple of down years for Coyne. Yeah, and in the, in the Wikipedia article for Dale Coyne, it says, you know, quote, the team struggled to stay afloat in 2001 following a short-lived partnership with the Project Racing Group, also known, Caleb, as Project Indy. <laughs> That's one of your favorite teams. Yes, uh, that, that the, the, uh, the short-lived partner team uh, partnership, only enabled the team to contest those two races. So financially, the struggles were real for Dale Coyne Racing, and uh, maybe that's why he had to go with Michael Crum. I'm not sure, or Luis Garcia Jr. But between the two, Michael Crum had the two best finishes of the year for Dale Coyne Racing. So good on you, Mr. Crum. For sure. Personally, I'm more of a Team Carmelo guy. You know, P.J. Chesson <laughs> and uh, who was the other guy? Was it Jeff Bucknam? Who was the other driver? Uh, yeah, I think it was for Team Mello. Or, or, or was it uh, Phil Giebler? Oh, now that you're just – those are two drivers that – oh, man. I don't know who it was. It was one of those guys. So yelling at their, Himmelgarn uh, with uh, PJ Chesson and then the other driver – let's see if it says in the article – I'm not seeing the other name. I don't know what. Not sure. Yeah. 
I, I thought it was. It was one of those obscure guys that uh, don't quite make the cut for obscure split era drivers. Many <laughs> people know those guys, even though they really didn't do anything. Yes. So PJ Chesson, who's a rookie <laughs> with the Carmelo car. Uh, and then I think they had another entry, if I'm not mistaken. It was. It was. It was PJ Chesson and Jeff Bucknam were the. Two. Okay, so I was I was correct on my first guess. But then you know both car tra- both cars I think crashed at the 500 and they were done. Yes. Right? Then they they cr- they crashed each other out. <laughs> <laughs> I think. <laughs> and that was the end. Not just of those two guys, but the entire team just said, "Okay, we're done." Yeah. All right, well, that is our random split era driver of the week, and we get to tweets of the week. There's really just one tweet. So Scott McLaughlin, you know, pointed out how, oh, he was taking the Penske jet to testing at Gateway, you know, living in style, all that. So Sebastian Bourdais tweeted, hey, Scott, our team's plane is headed to Gateway 2. See you there. And it's actually a photo of a bus. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> very nice i just thought that was great i mean he he clearly said this tug-in-cheek but i mean the bus looks nice there's some tv screens it looks like some leather seats i mean it's a yeah, charter bus one, it's dude. it's not like a school bus here so yeah i'm like a greyhound here yeah i mean it's not dumpy yeah flush all right well with that thanks for joining us on this episode next week we'll be back it'll be race week once again after a long 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 layoff in fact, speaking of race week, uh, Nashville, we all know, is is next weekend. But I was actually there last weekend briefly and drove on part of the track. And what was your what were your thoughts? Uh, driving over the, uh, I believe it's the Korean Veterans Memorial Bridge, um, that is going to be insane. I mean, they had the fencing up, and I drove basically through that portion. And... and- It'll be right wide enough to pass. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fast. I mean, I think I saw somewhere estimated they could go 180, 190 on portions of that. Nice. Can't wait. For sure. Should be very exciting. All right. Well, for Justin Kinney, I am Caleb Hatch. Thanks for joining us on another edition of New Track Record Podcast. Podcast by Federated Media.